You have just entered the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast with Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck, Ian Wiley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola, and Terrence Reedon, the Rock Sponge. Now spread those ear holes and let them turn your brain to mush. This is the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die with another insane, fucked up combat podcast. Yes, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Ian Wiley and Terrence Reardon. That's right, I pronounced it right this time. And I'm all hopped up on oxygen and I'm ready to talk about Cheap Trick, one of my favorite bands of all time. I got so much to talk about when it comes to Cheap Trick. But before I go into my dribble, I want to say hi to my two co-hosts. How you guys doing? Perfect. All right. I am nursing a hangover the only way I know how, which is more beer. That's right. Fuck the liver. What a wash. Fuck the liver. That's what I say. That's right. Fuck All right. So you ever met my liver? He's an asshole. Yeah, sir. Osis of the liver. Yeah, it has a hole in it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sure it does. All right, all right, guys. So uh, this week we're gonna talk about the second Cheap Trick album. If you want to know what I think about the first one, go check out my review on YouTube. But we're gonna talk about In Color now. I got the most insane story how I discovered In Color, and it's the same way I discovered Cheap Trick. Oh, you heard it in jail too? No. Oh, okay. That's my story. (laughs) Me and your mom were at a crack house. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't a crack house. Anyway, so um, uh, my back in the back in the Stone Age in the late seventies, uh, there was a thing that I'm sure we talked about before, Ian, and I'm sure you're aware of it. It's uh, the Columbia House. Uh, yes, Columbia House. Eight albums for one penny. Exactly. So eventually, twelve for a penny in its later years. Oh, yeah. you always got to correct me, you son yeah, of a bitch. Yeah, you know economy. You know, I blame I blame Obama for that one. All right, so I do too. So, um, what happened was back then, if you got somebody to join Columbia House, you'd get a free record or something. I I forgot what. But so my buddy was a part of Columbia House, so he wanted a free record, so he made me join. And I picked like a bunch of albums, but I didn't pick all that was supposed to be picked. So he picked one for me, and that ended up being Cheap Trick and Color. Now this is way before Budokan. This may be, even be way before, uh, this was before Heaven Tonight. This, uh, they were very underground at the time. Nobody really knew about them. And when I received, and it was cassettes, I received all the cassettes. I remember seeing the Cheap Trick one. And my first impression, looking at that picture of Robin Zander and Tom Peterson sitting on motorcycles, I was thinking, this is going to sound like the Beach Boys. So I never ended up listening to it. And this is the weirdest thing. What happened was I was going to erase it without even listening to it. And I was going to record like some shit on the radio. And my friend was like, hey, before you erase it, let's listen to it. I said, ah, all right. And hearing that opening riff of Hello There, both our jaws dropped. We're like, what the fuck? This ain't the Beach Boys. And I fell in love with Cheap Trick to that point to... As we speak today, I have seen them over 60 times live. I have never missed a Cheap Trick concert in South Florida since 1979, except for the time they opened for Def Leppard and Poison. And there you can understand why I wouldn't go to that shit. And uh, I love them. And Robin Zander to this day is the greatest singer ever, I think. The guy can do no wrong, and he has a thousand voices. He can sing anything. I bet he can do death metal. And if you listen to... The middle section of Gunner Ray's Hell, that is almost like screeching death metal. Um, I could go on and on, but I'll let you guys talk about Cheap Trick. You know, that's all I got to say for now. Cheap Trick, well, you can thank my oldest sister, Tony, for uh, exposing me to Live in Budokan when I was a three, four-year-old. She had it, I believe, on record. And um, I dug them, but I didn't delve, dig into them. I was what you call a casual fan. But then when I heard things like Hello There and 
downed in the movie Over the Edge, my interest in Chief Trick did increase a tiny bit. And then the trouble was at the time when I saw Over the Edge properly, they had just released Lap of Luxury, which featured their poppy ballad type thing, The Flame and Ghost Town and stuff. And then um, I eventually bought a few Cheap Trick albums over the years, Budokan, and I had In Color on cassette tape until my radio decided to eat it for lunch, which I never forgave that machine for. It was a cheapo radio that ate it, motherfucker. And um, what I can say about uh, Cheap Trick during this period of In Color was... During the In Color tour, they were opening for Kiss on Kiss's Love Gun slash Alive 2 tour, and for the whole of November and December of 77, Cheap Trick were opening for Queen on Queen's News of the World tour. That would have been one hell of a concert bill. It's just a damn shame I was just a baby, a year old, I should say, when that tour happened. Cheap Trick, killer band, why they haven't been bigger, I'll never know, and they should be headlining sports arenas and not like in theaters, but that such is life. What do you think of Cheap Trick, Ian? I fucking love Cheap Trick. Um, first, uh, you know, first came on my radar, just the radio songs everybody knows and heard, you know, I Want You to Want Me, Surrender, uh, If You Want My Love. Uh, never really got into them. I know this is going to sound terrible, but keep my age in perspective. Until uh, The Flame came out. And I was like, oh, that's a good fucking song. So I go out and buy The Flame. I was like in fucking eighth grade. And, uh, you know, that album, I, I love The Flame, but I thought the album was like, eh. And then I heard The Greatest Hits, and I was like, wow, these guys got a lot of great, catchy songs. And then I had an epiphany moment. Uh, like Bill, the great late comedian Bill Hicks said, there's a lot of good drug stories, positive drug stories. And one I had was driving high as a kite down this uh, street back home called Kennedy Drive and hearing Gonna Raise Hell on the radio. And it was a religious experience. I mean, perfect amount of high, the greatest song, it goes on forever, the drone. I was like, holy shit, I need to dig deeper into Cheap Trick. And when I did, I couldn't have been more happier, especially with the first, I would say, five studio albums and that Budokan is just pure pop perfection. Uh, incredible. I love this band. They still tour and play great. They still put out new music, which I think is very important. And there's not enough great things I can say about Cheap Trick. So, Ralph, why don't you go into the first song with Hello There. Hello There, the opening track and the very first song I ever heard from Cheap Trick. Um Great, great little catchy number, right to the point, and uh, has a little line in it says, would you like to uh, do a number with me, which number means weed, joints. I know a lot of people know that, but you know, he's referencing marijuana. Would you like to smoke a joint with me, is what he's saying. I um, would. Yeah. Uh, and um, what a great, great song. And also the first time I saw him live was in 1979 at the Miami Highlight with opening act, The Rockets. Which I have their album too. Anybody out there know the Rockets? They're a great band that's no longer around. Singer passed away. They have a great, great version of uh, Oh Well from uh, Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green years. Uh, awesome band, uh, which I have both their albums. Um, and actually, technically, they were the first band I ever saw live because Cheap Trick was headlining. And um, yeah, they opened with Hello There. I'll never forget the solo where Rick Nielsen would go up those. He had on stage like these three steps and he would go up and he'd just like go back and forth on it doing that little solo. Mind blowing. I was, I was with my dad too. My dad took me to that show. My dad's a very conservative guy. So, you know, next to me there was like these guys smoking weed. So my dad lit up a cigar and he's a Cuban. <laughs> and he would blow it on them so the, 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 the weed would not approach their his young little innocent straight Son, which I didn't smoke weed at that time. Hello there. Killer opening to this album. My introduction to this song, like I said, was in the movie Over the Edge, which we've already discussed in an earlier episode. And hello there. A killer way to open a killer album. Ian, what do you think, you bastard? I fucking love this. Uh, you know, we were all saying the same thing. Great way to start a fucking album. 
I mean, I mean, this is how you open out the fucking gate, you know. I mean, to the guitar, um, uh, and these guys are truly like the hard rock Beatles to me. I mean, that shit gets thrown around. Like you hear a lot of comparisons. People say like, you know, '70s Kiss is like a hard rock Beatles. Uh, well, compared to Cheap Trick, they're like a hard rock Herman's Hermits. You know, because these guys are so Beatlesque in their medley and melodies. And, uh, you know, the vocals, the song structure. I mean, the, the Beatles were pop perfection, and Cheap Trick are right up there with them. Uh, you know, you can laugh, whatever. I, that's my opinion. They are absolutely incredible. You can't... Robin Zander can sound like all four Beatles at fucking once. I mean, this guy is just fucking amazing. And uh, it's just a great, great song. That leads into another great song, Big Eyes. What you think about Big Eyes, Terrence? Big Eyes, one word. Epic. Excellent song. Kick ass. Then again, what Cheap Trick did between 1977 and 1980, they did no wrong as far as I'm concerned. What do you think of Big Eyes, Ralph? Oh, I love this song. This is another song. and I want to touch upon what Ian said earlier, how Robin Zander can sound like all the Beatles. But shit, watch... Uh, the, the DVD or, and the CD release of Sgt. Pepper, and you can hear him do all the Beatles. Big Eyes is probably my favorite song off the album. Um, and uh, everything is great about it, and I just fucking adore that middle riff. You know, down, 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 And then Rick Nielsen comes in with that, that crazy guitar solo. What a great, great, awesome fucking song. Big Eyes rules right Ian you fucking ain't right it rules because what it's really about is tits let's, let's not beat around the bush here big eyes he's being nice this is about a big set of bouncing fucking titties and I love big bounce I love titties so much I grew my fucking own uh, they're fucking great uh, great groove on this song I mean this is just you know like, like Terrence how this shit is not bigger why they're not playing stadiums instead of playing like county fairs and strawberry festivals and fucking, you know, shit like that. I have no idea. Well, I, I, if, I, if I could just interject for a second there. Go yeah. ahead. That's what separates this band from all the other bands because they are true, a true, real fucking band that does it for the love of music because you know what? They don't have to play a fair. They don't have to play these little rinky-dink places. But they do it because they love it, you know? Uh, they don't have that type of ego or we're too big. I mean, Jesus, uh, um, what do you call it? Budokan sold $5 billion and, and I ain't playing no little club. No, that's not Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick's like, we'll play everywhere because we love what we do. So uh, that's all I want to say about that. Uh, continuing, sorry to cut you off. Well, actually, I'm not sorry, but... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I expect about as much, you know, trying to steal my thunder. I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this is a great, great song about great, great tits that are big. And, uh, man, that's fucking rock and roll right there. Uh, next, we go into Down. Down. Holy fucking shit. You want to talk about pop perfection, it's fucking Down. It's got a great groove, a great drone something I think they're masters of you know that just guitar drone um, and then you got fucking Tom Peterson's fucking you know uh, 55 string bass behind it fucking I don't know how he plays all that shit but god damn he makes it sound good and uh, you know don't count out the fucking man in the back who I wish was still there Mr. Bunny Carlos Bunny Carlos is tight as a motherfucker um, everything about this song is just God damn perfection. This should be on everybody's fucking iPod. If it's not on your iPod or your fucking your Walkman, whatever the fuck, it should be. Pick up in color and play fucking down. What do you think, Terrence? Downed, I have to agree with you 100% on this motherfucker. Downed is a killer song. One of my all-time favorite cheap trick tunes. And like hello there, I first heard it in Over the Edge. Thank that movie for exposing me to a lot of good shit when I was a 12-year-old in 88. Thank you very much, Over the Edge. Downed, a killer sign, kick-ass, especially that riff after the first verse. 
The da 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 Makes you want to drive on the highway doing about 90, but don't want to get a speeding ticket, so I have to drive around speed limit, maybe 70. But the song is just so fucking epic. Kick ass. I love fucking Downed. Not much more to say about this classic song. What do you think, Ralph? I think it's kind of lame how I'm agreeing too much with Ian this, this week, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, I think I think you've wisened up. I think I'm rubbing off on you, and you got some good taste. I think, you know, you brush your teeth, you put a little fucking Ayatollah Rock and Roller toothpaste down there, got that good taste in your mouth, and uh, I'm glad to see I'm rubbing off. The, no. the, only bad, the only bad thing is now Terrence is going to love it, too. No, the, the, the truth is that Cheap Trick is that good. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It ain't like the elder, man. You know, it's like... (laughs) There are people out there that don't like Cheap Trick, but those people don't like Melody. So fuck them. Exactly. So this show ain't for them, you know. There's a lot of... um, A lot of people that listen to our shit, obviously, are Thrasher Die fans, and they're not going to get this, you know, so... And that's fine. But, you know, believe it or not, there are a lot of Thrasher Die fans I have met that love the Beatles and maybe don't know enough about Cheap Trick that... Maybe this uh, episode will help them. Uh, down. Wow. Yeah. Again, uh, I agree with Ian. It's, it's just pop perfection. And uh, I, a, a, a label that's been thrown on Cheap Trick is Power Pop. And I think it fits them really well because it is powerful, but it's pop at the same time. Um, and this song also, another thing, underlining this beautiful poppy music is very dark subjects and the lyrics are kind of dark. It's like, you know, I want to live on a mountain way down under in Australia. It's either that or suicide. It's just a strange, strange, strange uh, strain on you, which, you know, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. It's kind of like, you know, it's, oh, beautiful to live on a mountain in Australia, but if I don't do that, I'm going to kill myself, you know? And they have a lot of songs kind of like that, like I'll Be The Same, Gonna Raise Hell. It's like they, they talk about dark subjects with with beautiful music and beautiful harmonies and vocals. It's just amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next track is their most popular track, uh, I Want You To Want Me, which was totally, totally uh, on this album was castrated. Uh, I do not like the version that's on in color, mainly for the honky-tonk piano, and it's a little too hokey. Um, I don't like it. The, the Budokan version totally wipes the floor with this. Uh, uh, Cheap Trick always badmouths uh, in color. How uh, They hate how Tom Warman uh, produced it and so on. I totally disagree, but when it comes to this track, yeah, I gotta agree. This one is... Because it was never, you know, when I used to listen in color, which was way before Budokan and Heaven Tonight, I used to, uh, you know, fast forward the song on because I had it on cassette. I never liked I Want You to Want Me, though. Uh, Budokan version is much better. And live, it's always a good song, a fun song live. It always delivers live, e- even if it's not one of my favorite songs. I always like hearing this song live. It's, and, and so does everybody else around me. This is the one song that... Everybody goes apeshit for I Want You To Want Me, uh, their signature tune, but I'm not too crazy about it. Uh, how about you guys? I Want You To Want Me, the band's biggest, uh, Until The Flame, was their biggest hit, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, the studio version, the piano did kind of ruin it for me, but when they did it live, the song just sort of went to epic lengths in its live version. And in fact, the live version I heard first from Budokan, thanks to my oldest sister having it on vinyl back in the day. So I listened to the live version more than the studio version. So I want you to want me in its live state, kick ass, in its studio version, neutered. Ian, what do you think? Uh, I fucking adore this song, even though, you know, yeah, totally suffers from burnout. But this is a motherfucking perfect song. and it, But it also shows you how important uh, a producer can be uh, for good or bad reasons. Because, you know, Tom Warman, who takes a lot of shit from everybody, and this guy's worked with uh, Ted Nugent, Twisted Sister, Motley Crue, uh, I believe Scorpions? Uh, uh, no, uh, no, Molly Hatchet. That's Dieter Dirks, yeah. But uh, T- Tom Warman's worked with a shitload of people. 
And a lot of a lot of bands complained that he neutered their sound. And he definitely neutered this fucking song. But even as bad as it is on this album, you still you still get the greatness of this. This is just a perfect perfect fucking song, but you, you don't fully realize that till you hear it on Budokan. Uh, one thing that I really love about Cheap Trick is they don't save this one for fucking last. You know, Ralph will tell you because he's seen him so many times. A lot of times they'll play this shit right out the gate and get it out of the way. And I, I respect that. They know they have to play it because at any show there's going to be that fan who, that's the only song they fucking know, so they gotta play it. But uh, they don't live or die by this song. And I love that. You know, it's like you know, like fucking Kiss. You know, every show's gonna end with uh, Odyssey. Oh, I, I mean, uh, uh, Rock and Roll All Night. You know, there's shit like sometimes that. Black Diamond. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. It's like you know that's gonna be the last song, and it takes all the fucking. You know, okay, yeah, I know this is coming, so it's no big thrill. You know, uh, they'll just throw this anywhere in the fucking set. It always gets played, but it's not like the last song. Good night, we love you. They're like, we're going to play this for the assholes who only know this song, and then we're going to play a bunch of other kick-ass fucking tunes. But, like I said, this version, wow. Totally different. No balls. The Budokan version is is absolute fucking perfection. I Want You to Want Me was actually recorded for the first album and was left off. Yeah, and it is on actually the remastered version of the first album has bonus tracks, and one of them is I Want You To Want Me, and it's much rawer, well, as you would expect, um, could, uh, Jack Douglas' production of the first album was very raw. Uh, the next song is You're All Talk, which is uh, the more hard-rocking tune off this one. Um, again, I love this song, almost like rap. If you listen to the, the, the vocal structure, you know, it's like, it's very unique, it's a very unique song, but at the same time, it was kind of a, I wouldn't say filler, because this was a song they played a lot during the club days, uh, and they, they brought back for, you know, this album, and, uh, but I don't, I think they did not play this song live uh, after the club days, like the Being Colored Tour, I don't think they ever threw this one out, but you could hear versions of this on, early, on some of their earlier shows that was radio broadcast very heavy tune and when they did they actually did play it on their silver show which i believe is out of print which is uh is available on cd and dvd where slash comes out and plays uh you're all talk with kiss i mean kiss listen to me cheap trick and um i dig it but then again i dig every song on this album not one of my favorites though but uh definitely not a shitty song it's a kick-ass song what do you think ian Oh, man, this really fucking bums me out because you almost fucking verbatim said what I wanted to say. Uh, I like this song, but if there is anything that I would consider filler, it would be this. But as you brought up in our uh, D.O. Era Rainbow review, there is such a thing as good filler. And and I think this is good filler. Uh, Song-wise, this seems like more of a jam to me. You know, like, you know, getting in the garage and just, you know, knocking one out. Then uh, something they actually, you know, polished and kept going over and over. This is just like a one-two take rocker. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, and that shows you how great this album was. Because on any other album, you'd be like, yeah, this is one of the stayed out tracks. But on this one, I would have to call it filler, but not in a bad way. Uh, Terrence, do you just want to repeat what Ralph said, or do you have an opinion? Uh, you're all talk. I have to repeat what you two motherfuckers said about this song. <laughs> I knew it. You're all talk is a fucking kick-ass song. And then the immortal words of Forrest Gump, that's all I gotta say about that. And I might as well begin the next song. Thank you, Forrest. Oh, Caroline. Another kick-ass tune. There is no bad song on this album. This song continues the ass-kicking re of biblical proportions. Oh, Caroline kick-ass tune i always dug it um now i'll let ian talk about oh caroline i would love to talk about oh caroline this is by far my favorite track on the album uh probably in my top i would say three or five cheap trick songs of all time uh i actually 
I, I don't know what it is about this song, but to me it is absolutely perfect. There is not one fucking note I would fucking change. Um, just it, it's it's a whole summary of Cheap Trick. Everything that Cheap Trick does great and perfect, they do in this song. Just like uh, Oh Candy is another one that I think is absolute perfection. Uh, you know, Avita Zane. You, you, you know, I mean, they're not similar, but they're perfect songs. I mean, they are absolutely. There's not there's nothing you could add. I mean, they did uh, they did re-record this album with Steve Abini, and you know because they weren't happy with the sound, and there's stuff I liked about it. It, it never got you know it got leaked online. It never got released officially. Supposedly it's going to, but it hasn't yet. But um, you know, there's some shit you just can't change because of the time and the air and stuff. And this is something you cannot fuck with because this is. This is perfection caught on tape. I absolutely love O'Caroline. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, you brought up the Steve Albini, and I actually hate it. I hate what he did with that album. And there is two versions of O'Caroline on the Steve Albini version. It's just so muddy and shitty, and it's just horrible. I just think it sucks. And I don't like Steve Albini. I just don't. I mean, everything that he's done. Yeah, Nirvana. What was it? Uh, in Utero. And also, the two bonus tracks on... Uh, the Cheap Trick uh, 97 album, which was uh, Brontosaurus and uh, Baby Talk, which are good, both good songs, but I, I, I don't understand how they even allow this guy in a recording studio. Now, let's get back to O' Caroline. O' Caroline is uh, part two of O' Candy, because uh, everything's with an O, and then the next uh, album has O' Claire, which was kind of like just a little instrumental thing, but still. Uh, there's also another song called Oh Boy that was... Not released on In Color, but recorded around the time. And on the remastered version, it is on here, but it's on here without vocals, which is a weird thing. But let's get back to O'Caroline. Um, I love the hell out of O'Caroline, but it's far from one of my favorite songs. So that's, you know, Ian's a dope. But it's a good song. It's not... I'm not dope, but I'm not a dope. Yeah, that's why you think it's one, one of them. It, it, it embodies everything's great about Cheap Trick. No, Big Eyes does dope. All right, so um, so Caroline, no, oh, Caroline's great. Downed, it down is better too. Come on, Jesus, I think everything's better than Oh Caroline on this album. That, but this album's awesome because Oh Caroline is a great song. I love it mainly for uh, Mr. Zander's vocals, and um, yeah, it's it's a great song. I hate to say anything bad about it, but I really don't subscribe to it being the best song on the album or one of the best cheap trick songs. Only an idiot would think that. But it's a, it's, but it's a good song, regardless. I I, I love Old Caroline, and uh, I'll go into the next one, which again uh, suffers a little bit, like I want you to want me with the castration. Uh, Clock strikes ten, which oddly enough became a big hit in Japan. It was uh, a top ten or maybe even number one song in Japan. That's why when Cheap Trick went over there, uh, it was both. Um, Funny enough, it was Clock Strikes 10 and I Want You to Want Me were both hits over there, the in-color version. So I guess uh, Japan likes castrations. But, uh, oh, what a hard rocking song. This is, uh, man, I mean, if it would have been produced differently, it would have been like the heaviest song on the album, heavier than you're all talking. Great song. I love Clock Strikes 10. It's just, uh, and I love when they play this live. It's just such a kick-ass rocking tune. Uh, but it does suffer a little castration on here. I think these are the only two songs that are heavily castrated on the album, where the rest of it I have no problem with. What do you think, Terrence? Clock Strikes 10, excellent tune. Um, I actually prefer its live version on uh, Budokan, because probably that's the first version I heard, and I'm more familiar with that. The studio version isn't bad either, but I give the edge to the version on Budokan, because Budokan is an epic live album, one of my top five favorite live rock albums of all time, and I can see why. Clock Strikes 10 studio version, so-so, live, epic. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I think Ralph needs to start fucking drinking again, because uh, the version on here is awesome. While I do love the Budokan version, I fucking absolutely love the studio version as well. This is a fucking ass-shaking fucking rocker. Like, if you don't see some asses shaking and some titties bouncing when they play this song, then you're fucking Ray Charles, because everybody should be going nuts when this gets played. Uh, 
great fucking rock and roll lyrics. I, I mean, just simple lyrics, but it's talking about, you know, just got paid, you know, going out, I'm going to fucking party, I'm going to rock and roll, you know, devil may care kind of fucking attitude. Just sums up fucking rock and roll like crazy. Uh, Bunny Carlos goes crazy on this. Rick Nielsen goes crazy on this. It, this is a perfect fucking song. And uh, it's just as good on the studio as it is on the live album. I don't care what these two assholes say. Great fucking track. Thank uh, you. Okay, yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, sorry, I don't do Ralph Sloppy Seconds. But uh, yeah, why you feel like fucking talking, Terrence? Why don't you go into so- Southern Girls? Okay, jerk. Okay, jackass. Southern Girls. Oh, 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 oh I'm, so- I'm sorry. Can you talk with Ralph's dick in your mouth? <laughs> Give me a minute to compose myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and wash his balls with a warm wet rag while you're at it. Okay, enough, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. Southern Girls, another excellent number. I prefer the live version on Budokan, but the studio version isn't bad either. And that's all I got to say to you. So what do you think of uh, Southern Girls, Ralphie Boy? Well, Southern Girls is, again, one of my favorites. And this one is, uh, again, like... Uh, Power pop, right there. Um, yeah, the the Budokan version. I, I, I guess I like. I don't know if I like it more. Probably the same. I, I like. Uh, it's actually not uh, the part of the original Budokan. Uh, you're talking about the complete show, which I yeah, which highly, I yeah, I highly recommend that one over. You know, anybody that hasn't really heard the original Budokan, go get the complete show so you don't get kind of like you know tainted like I did because. I'm just so used to that track listing of the original Budokan that it kind of throws me off listening to the complete version, but I still love the complete version way more. Um, oh, God, I love Southern Girls. Are you kidding me? I mean, I love the song and I love Southern Girls, man. Even the ugly ones. I love them all. They fucking rule. And uh, it's got that beachy vibe, and I live on the beach, and uh, I just love Southern Girls. And this is like Van Halen 2, an awesome album to listen to while you're on the beach. It's a great summertime album. A good fun song. Uh, Southern Girls rules, Ian. Oh, uh, you fucking dick. Because uh, I put that in my notes. I was like, this would sound perfect on fucking Van Halen too. Another perfect summertime album. This is a great, great summertime song. Very rock and roll. Uh, yeah, you kind of fucking nailed it. You took everything I fucking had written down, you son of a bitch. Don't call me a son of a bitch. My mom sucks you really nice, and she's very nice to you. She's no bitch. Call me son of a slut, okay? And don't call me an asshole, you motherfucker, Ian. Yeah. Hey, 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 Ian, just remember, if it wasn't for us assholes, you shits wouldn't be here. <laughs> All right, and with that note, we go into Come On, Come On. Um, another great song, great groove. Uh, I, th- this is gonna sound fucking gay as shit, but dreamy fucking vocals on this song. The vocals fucking make this. Uh, this, this whole album uh, is probably Tom Warman's production at its best. Other than you know the neutering of "I Want You to Want Me," I think he added a shine onto everything else uh, that was really good. He did the same thing with "Heaven Tonight," uh, and I believe he produced uh, "Dream Police" as well. Yes. He, yes, he did. And uh, and, and man, I, I think he did, he did a great job on all of them. And this, I think, uh, is his production at its best. Just sounds really, really great. Uh, what do you think, Terrence? Come on, come on. You nailed it, you stupid bastard. Yes. Excellent sign. Perfect. Ralph, what do you think of Come On, Come On? Come On, Come On, I love... I just think the track listing's a little, uh, little messed up. It's weird how they put this... Toward the end of the song, it's a good like uh, first side one song, man. I think this would have went better uh, after uh, Big Eyes actually and before Down. Um, great song and yeah, it's, it's played well on uh, Budokan. It's really early, right after Hello There. Uh, oh, I love this song again. Power pop at its finest. Um, just awesome. I mean, there's not much more I can say about it uh, except weird thing they have an album called Rockford with a song called Come On Come On on it which is completely different which is weird how I don't know I can't explain that and it's nowhere near as good as this Come On Come On but um great great song now let me let me end the album here so good to see you a song that I know they didn't play live back then 
a song that I, I'm pretty sure was written around the time this, this album was, was uh, done. Um, where, like, back in the 90s, they did uh, three shows or four shows where they played the album in its entirety, and that's the first time they played So Good to See You was during those shows, at the, which was recorded for the CD Music for Hangovers, which I believe now is out of print. Um, what a great song, and a great and Robin Xander holding that note. It's just great, great music. I love So Good to See You. It made it onto uh, Music for Hangovers, where they just selected a couple songs from each show. And uh, great, great song. What do you think, Terrence? So Good to See You. You hit the nail around the head. An excellent song, and the song basically proves why Robin Xander is rightly called the man of a thousand voices. And Rick Nielsen is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. I don't give a flying fuck what anyone says about Rick Nielsen. If you think he sucks as a guitarist, you can all jump off the Empire State Building for all I care. So good to see you fucking kick ass. What do you think, Ian? I love So Good to See You. It is probably my second favorite on the album. Uh, and I think it's a great closer. You know, a lot, a lot of bands, you know, there's there's different types of closers to the album. Some, some people put... You know, filler will be the end. You know, some will put a ballad to take you out gently. Uh, you know, some will put a rocker on there to wake your ass back up. And this is my favorite kind of closer because it just leaves you wanting more. The song is so fucking good. I, I mean, you, do, you don't want this shit to end. It is a short album. Like, I, I think most great albums are. I mean, it's like, what, a 35 fucking minute album? 32 minutes. There you go. I knew you'd have it. Uh... But it's, it's perfect. I mean, you hear this, and it's so goddamn good. Either you flip this motherfucker over and you start playing it again, or you grab another fucking great Cheap Jerk album and put it on, because you want to hear more of this great, great fucking band. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I, I go back and forth all the time, what's my favorite Cheap Trick, and it constantly goes back and forth between this the first one and Dream Police, because um, uh, and, and I, I, I love Heaven and Night as well. I love all Cheap Trick albums. I find something good on every Cheap Trick album, but uh, you know these, these early ones are, are very very special to me and and should be in everybody's fucking music collection because this is just if if you don't get this shit, I fucking feel sorry for you because you're missing out. Cheap Trick is an incredible band and in color. And if you flip it over on vinyl and black and white, it's an amazing fucking album. Uh, great way to end it. And now for the bonus tracks. First, the instrumental, Oh Boy. An excellent short ditty. Why it wasn't finished for the album, I'll never know. But it should have been on there to make the album a little longer. And um, I have it as my closing track on um, my burned copy that I have for the car for CD when I drive. What do you think of Oh Boy, Ralph? Oh Boy, I actually do have the version with vocals. Uh, it's not that great, but I do have it on... Uh, I have so many unreleased songs from Cheap Trick um, on this compilation thing that I used to get back in the day where... You guys remember Audio Galaxy? And, and Oh man, that was better than Napster, better than everything. Anyway, so yeah, I got that song with vocals. Oh, boy. 
Oh boy, and I remember hearing about Oh Boy way back in the day, you know, about this song Oh Boy and a song called Disco Paradise, which uh, I'm not too fond of Disco Paradise once I finally got to hear it. But um, Oh Boy is a great song. It's uh, very much in the vein of of uh, In Color, you know, because In Color to me is probably the poppiest one out of all the early ones. To me, this one is the most pop oriented one. Um, Great song. What do you think, uh, Ian? Um, I, I love it. I kind of... I, I feel like they abandoned this and stole different aspects of this song and put them into others. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel complete. It feels like a starting point. You know, like them just jamming and uh, they just stole little bits from here and there and, and went into more fully developed songs. Um, but it's great as far as bonus tracks. You know, shit like this Maybe if you're a connoisseur, you're a collector, you like hearing stuff like this because it gives you, uh, not to quote fucking Terrence, but a genesis of where these songs come from. Uh, and it, it, it's not bad. To me, it's the most interesting of the bonus tracks on this album. Uh, next, we're going to the Southern Girls demo. What do you think, Terrence? The Southern Girls demo is excellent. I dig it. What do you think? Well, I think we should just talk about, you know, just to condense this episode, instead of going through track by track, there's two demos on here, Southern Girls and Come On, Come On. To me, I kind of get bothered by CDs that have the same song twice on it, you know? You know, they should have, like, you know, I like what they did with the first album. Uh, Had I Want You to Want Me, um, I Dig Go-Go Girls, and... uh, uh, look out you know I had a uh, you're all talk was on that one like a live version you know I like CDs which is all different songs where there's this one I mean it ends with oh boy is the only song on here I'm looking at that's a different song I mean because the last song's good night but actually that's hello there just with different lyrics but uh yeah whatever it's kind of I mean let's condense it all guys let's just do it all southern girls and come on come on are demos and then there's two live tracks you're all talk and good night and their live track. It's good, but I would have preferred different songs. What do you guys have to say about the last of the bonus tracks? Um, let's see the the last of the bonus tracks. Let's see, they're um, they're interesting, but um, the good night on Budokan is better. And um, demos are sometimes good to hear the the birth of a song and its development, and you hear it side by side with the finished product, and you're like either, oh, the finished product is better, or 
the uh, demo is better. Uh, unfortunately, I gotta agree with Ralph. Uh, of the remasters, this definitely has the worst bonus tracks. Because really, Oh Boy is the only one of substance uh, that shows you something different. The rest is just, you know, the, the demos, they became better versions. The live ones, go to fucking Budokan. Uh, it, I, I feel like they were like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like, oh, we gotta have something extra on this. Because uh, I don't think they really add anything. But the album is so fucking great. It does, you, you don't have to put this shit on here to get me to buy this fucking album because it's fucking fantastic. Um, love this band. Love this album. Okay, so let's sum up uh, the episode uh, of Cheap Trick. Well, we talk about our love for Cheap Trick and uh, anything uh, else we want to... Uh, like, again, to me, the first five studio albums is, to me, their peak. But uh, they did have a few great albums afterwards. Uh, like, I really like the Cheap Trick uh, 97 album. And I love the latest, the last one they did, the latest. The other ones had its moments. I mean, I don't hate them. The only one I really do despise is the doctor and I'm not too crazy about standing on the edge. One on one I really didn't like, but I've grown to like it now, but I still don't think it's as great as the ones I just mentioned. Rockford and uh, what's the other one? Uh, special one. Special one. Those two albums were weird to me. A lot of Cheap Trick fans point to those as amazing albums. I, I don't get it. They do have their moments that I really like, but Especially, you know, the special one had like three, four tracks. But man, Rockford, I got, I got to listen to that again because that one just doesn't grab me for some reason. It's not bad, you know. It's got the power pop vibe and everything, but it never really grabbed me for some reason. So it's, I don't think I've given it enough of a chance. The one album that really gets slammed on a lot, other than the Doctor, is Busted, and Busted does have a lot of craptacular songs on it, but it has some gems too like some uh, some of my favorite later cheap trick songs are on busted like uh walk away is probably my favorite song off there and uh you drive i steer i really like and the cover version of the moves uh, rock and roll tonight great songs uh lap of luxury too gets a lot of shit and uh i like a couple a lot of shitty tunes on that one too but i like let go wrong side of love i love ghost town which was a signal that didn't do anything but robin zander's voice on that is just fucking great and all wound up doctor's just pure garbage and i would have to say my favorite of the non tom peterson albums is next position please i think that one has some some really good pop songs like borderline um what's the name of that song heaven i can't take it, I can't take it written by robin zander and heaven's falling is it called um oh man that's like an amazing song uh, I don't love here anymore. Great in the title track. I like Next Position Please a lot, but at the same time, it does have that dated '80s production. Uh, Todd, Todd Rundgren. yeah, Todd Rundgren did. I mean, if it would have been produced by Tom Warman, it would have been better. But to me, my favorite is the first album. But I really, really love All Shook Up. For some reason, that album is quirky. And weird, but man, I put that up there with the first album. And then there's Dream Police, which is amazing. I, to me, that's Tom Warman's best production on all Cheap Trick albums. I mean, he just hit a home run with every song. And Heaven Tonight is, you know, I gotta say this, and it's gonna sound weird to everybody, but every album I just know, I like more than In Color. And In Color, as you just heard, I love the hell out of it, but I would have to say that would be probably the bottom of my list. I would say the first one, All Shook Up, Dream Police, Heaven Tonight, and then In Color, in that order. But all phenomenal albums, no fillers. I don't think uh, Heaven Tonight has any fillers. You're taking me back on the radio. I love those freaking songs. And those are like the fillers on the album. And uh, that's it. I just love the hell out of Cheap Trick. I can go on and on, man, because I have a million Cheap Trick stories. But we'll save that for future episodes, because... I would love to uh, tackle some more Cheap Trick albums in the future. Cheap Trick, um, excellent band. I've yet to buy more Cheap Trick albums myself. I mean, I've gotten a few in the last few weeks to get myself refreshed. Um, 70s era Cheap Trick is their peak. Um, I heard one on one. Not a bad album, but Roy, Roy Thomas Baker did do a little over the top production 
because you know he was riding high on the success of his work with Queen, Journey, The Cars, and all those bands that could do stuff to that point. But if you want my love, is the standout on that album. Next position, please. I've only heard I Can't Take It because I was the hit on it, and Todd Rundgren apparently produced it, and his production is Lust to Be Desired. The only thing I heard from Standing on the Edge was Tonight It's You, and apparently it's the only good song on that album. The Doctor, I won't even bother mentioning because I didn't like anything I heard from that album, thank goodness. Except for a video that I forgot that they showed on MTV way back in the day. It's, a, it's only love. It's only love. That song sucked. Um, Lap of Luxury um, has its moments. I mean, The Flame was the big hit on it, but I actually preferred Ghost Town, which was a modesty. It wasn't a big hit, but it wasn't a failure either. The cover of Elvis's Don't Be Cruel. The video was fucking classic, at the, especially at the end where Bunny Carls was dressed as uh, 70s Elvis. That was fucking hilarious. And I will be checking out the rest of the Cheap Trick canon, which I, for some strange reason, overlooked for so many years, but I'm finally going to be delving into this band properly. What do you think of Cheap Trick, Ian? Well, I, I love Cheap Trick. I think I made that clear. Uh, the 70s albums, uh, you know, and if you want to throw an All Shook Up, are by far my favorites. Uh, all outstanding albums. The 80s, you, you know... I, I don't know if there's some classic albums there, but, I mean, every song, I mean, every album has some gems, you know, and some, some fucking turds, too. Even The but, Doctor. The Doctor has a song called Take Me to the Top, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, no, no, that's a real good song. A shitty album, but a good song. And, and a lot of it suffers from 80s production. Um, but uh, there's always something good to be, because they're such great songwriters. Uh, you know, you get to the 90s, and unfortunately, it horribly started out with Busted, which, you know, Richard Zito's production was horrible. But uh, I like Woke Up With a Monster. I think there's some great... Uh, the title track on Woke Up With a Monster, I think is great, was produced by Ted Templeman. One of the last albums I think he produced. Uh, you know, uh, 97 is a great album. I agree with Ralph. Uh, as far as the newer ones, I, I, uh, I hate to do it. I agree with Ralph. Rockford didn't grab me at all. I disagree with Special One. I think Special One has some really good songs on it. Like uh, Pop Drone, I think is great. Uh, Best Friend, Hummer. Uh, there, there's some really good songs on that. You mentioned you like the latest. I haven't. That one did not grab me at all. I have to give it another chance, though. Um, you know, but they, they never disappoint live. Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of quick Cheap Trick stories. Uh, the first time I saw him was in the 90s, unfortunately. It took that long for me to see him. And I was so excited. I got a little bit too overzealous and a little bit too drunk, believe it or not. And in between every song, I was screaming out, Vita Zane. And to, to, to the point where Rick Nielsen finally screamed out, he goes, Vita Zane to you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, I, maybe I better shut up. And uh, it was funny. He took a copy of Lick It Up by Kiss, and he glued cheap, you know, classic Cheap Trick Rick Nielsen picks all around the album and then threw it out into the crowd and said, Gene Simmons would charge you $10,000 for that. I'll give it to you for free. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was awesome. And uh, I, I worked a, we have an annual festival here in New Orleans called Voodoo. And Cheap Trick was playing the year I was working it. And uh, I, I saw him backstage. I saw Rick Nielsen. And I went total fucking fanboy. I went, I'm like, ah, I, I love Cheap Trick. I can't wait till you play later today. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell he just wasn't into it. And I was backstage smoking while uh, Ray Davies of the Kinks was playing. And he walked away from me. Went, he went in and saw who was playing. He comes back out. He goes, who is that? I go, that's Ray Davies from the Kinks. He goes, why don't we go watch Ray Davies from the Kinks? I was like, okay. So I followed him, and we watched Ray Davies from the side of the stage. And then in the middle of it, Tom Peterson showed up. And just like, hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm Tom. I was like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Great to fucking meet you. And that was just an incredible moment to sit there and watch a legend like Ray Davies play, you know, some great Kinks hits. And I'm sitting there watching with two fucking amazing musicians from Cheap Trick was an incredible time and uh i i can't wait to do more albums by this band i hope some of our fans who listen to this that aren't normally into cheap trick 
uh, you know, put your prejudices aside. Check out a couple of these albums. Give it another shot. Uh, you know, they're not a, you know, this ain't fucking Bon Jovi by any means. It's lighter, but it's great songwriting. And uh, I encourage everybody, please check out Cheap Trick. Well, as far as, I, I don't know, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's lighter, man. I mean, Cheap Trick is, heavy. to me, they're heavier than Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's is not heavy, man. There's nothing heavy about that guy, you know? Well, no. Don't even mention Bon Jovi. I'll throw up. Uh, one thing that you mentioned that, I, that I'm kicking myself that I forgot to mention was Wake Up With A Monster. What a great, great album. That's another album that one of my favorites after the, the, the man, You're All I Want to Do, Girlfriend, Cry Baby. I mean, great, great, great album, man. And they follow it up with an even better album, 97. Um... But they were going through a lot of bullshit at the time. They were on Warner Brothers for one album. You know what? That would be a good album to review. Wake up, to the, wake up uh, with a monster. Because um, I'll buy that. I'll look that up on uh, Amazon. Thanks for the tip. That's another one I would recommend. If you know, after you know, get everything up to all shook up, and then after that, I'd say '97 and wake up with a monster, and don't listen to Ian then latest. And um, just look up the song uh, "Sick Man of Europe." From a last, that last that last album that song ripped, which by the way was the was the original name, which is weird how they brought it up. And uh, I have a recording from the original singer of Cheap Trick. Uh, Cheap Trick did release a demo with a guy called Zeno, and the song is called Hot Tomato, which later became both Taking Me Back and I'll Be With You Tonight from the Dream Police album. They took elements of both those songs, and that's a real rare recording I have.
been the Rock and Metal Podcast. And before I go, I'd like to throw it over to my drunk friend here who has to, like, give little plugs about uh, our podcast. Uh, tell him where to go there, Ian. All right. You can all go to heaven tonight, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, make sure you check us out on Podbean. We are down. now, thankfully, on iTunes. Uh, we've had an amazing run. At the time we're recording this, you're only seeing like our first six episodes. And we've got almost 7,000 plays. And we want to thank you all. Uh, check us out. Like I said, Podbean, go on iTunes. Please go on iTunes. Leave some comments. I mean, I don't, you know, if you want to badmouth Terrence, that's all right as long as you give us a five star review. Watch and, it there. I know. Also, we have a YouTube channel, Rock and Metal Podcast, all one word. And you can see it's this episode, but there's pictures behind it. Uh, Terrence does his own little 2.0 version where he adds even more tidbits. So there's all kinds of ways to, to enjoy me and these other two jerks. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Terrence, do you have any parting words? Yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, check us out on Podbeam. I already said that. Our Facebook page, let's not forget either. I have a right to repeat so people don't forget. Because some people cannot remember things after being told once. So I like to do a double reminder here. And also our Rock and Metal Combat podcast page on YouTube and my 2.0 versions of these episodes of the visual versions. And I'd also like to thank my other sponsors, the, um, well, I'll just say Ben anyways, the New England Patriots, oh. the greatest football team in the history of the world. <laughs> and much to my drunk colleague Ian's chagrin, I hope they go to the Super Bowl again, but then... If they have their first losing season since 2000, I don't care. I'm biased. Ralph, take over. All right, fuck football. And I got to say that uh, I want to leave you all with something very, very special here. Uh, Maybe most of you have not heard this. Maybe I'm going to ask Ian and Terrence. Have you heard the recording of Cheap Trick with Bon Scott and Angus Young? No way. Yes, I have a recording where Bon Scott and Angus Young join Cheap Trick on stage and they do a version of Johnny Be Good. I was actually there. Oh, okay. Recorded. You were the one that told them to do it, right? No, yeah, well, not, not only that, uh, I'm playing tambourine. If you, if you turn up the mix a little bit, I am playing tambourine because I didn't want to drown out the other guys. You know, they got fucking egos. You get, uh, bon Scott would have kicked your ass. You're going to... Uh, no, 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 no. Bon Scott was a fucking alcoholic like me. We got along splendidly. <laughs> All right, guys, so uh, let's say our goodbyes and let's play this really lost kick-ass gem. Domo Arigato, thank you very much. Good night and God bless you all, Ian. Thank you. Carry me on.